Welcome to the latest First Voice monthly roundup podcast brought to you by First Voice magazine, the official flagship magazine of the Federation of Small Businesses and the go-to podcast for news tips and important information for small businesses and the self-employed. This episode is our July small business roundup in which we will take a look at some of the important issues hitting the headlines at the moment and which you need to be aware of right now as small business owners. Um, In particular this month, we're looking at two major issues. The first is the continued rise in the cost of doing business and the latest in terms of what can be done to ease the pressure on you. And the second topic is a piece of research that has looked at the impact of COVID regulations on small businesses and what FSB is calling for in terms of future responses to crises. Uh, To help us look at those issues, I'm pleased to say I'm joined by two guests. They are Matt Dickinson, FSB Deputy Head of Media and Communications, who's going to talk to us about the latest issues relating to the rising cost of doing business. And Dr. Paul Richter, Senior Lecturer, Innovation and Enterprise at Newcastle University, who has been leading the research for a joint report between FSB Newcastle University and Birmingham University on how small businesses experienced regulations in a crisis and the lessons that can be learnt from that. Thank you both for joining. Okay, Matt, um, I'll start with you if you don't mind. We've heard quite a lot now about this kind of, kind of rising cost of doing business, and we've spoken about it a little bit on this podcast, in fact. What's the latest on this, um, and what are the specific costs that are really hitting small businesses right now? Well, unfortunately, it's, if I'm honest, less about the specifics and more about the fact that operating costs are rising generally across the piece. So, I mean, fuel, um, the cost is, is way up, utility bills, people, employment costs are growing because the labour market is tight, which is forcing up wages, um, but also because of government changes to taxation in that space. In terms of debt, interest rates have started increasing for the first time in a long while, and that, inf- that affects any loan that doesn't have a fixed rate attached to it. On the tax side, I mean, the taxation burden is now, as a share of GDP nationally, the highest it's been since the 40s. Um, and at the same time, the pound is becoming weaker. A few respected economists are now potentially forecasting another recession, um, which has impacted the pound. So anyone who's who's importing particularly is, is going to feel the effects of that. And on top of that, we've got some of these wider issues in the economy, particularly around travel disruption. We've had strikes across uh, the tube network, across national rail in recent weeks, and also a lot of issues at our airports. And there's a number of causes for that. Um, so unfortunately, it's, 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 it's a bit across the, the piece at the moment. I mean, if you look at the INS's latest figures on this, producer price inflation, so things like food inputs for businesses, fuel, chemicals, computing equipment, machinery, all that, really important day-to-day stuff. Prices are up just over 22% over the past year, which is the highest level on record. Um, but in terms of passing that cost on, consumer prices are up just over 9%. So there's an awful lot there that small businesses are trying to absorb in terms of their operating costs versus what they're charging to customers. But there is only so much they can do at this point. 
Yeah, and you mentioned a few specifics there, tax, rising inflation, um, rising consumer prices. What's behind these rising costs? Is it a combination of factors landing all at once? And how long might this go on for? Yeah, I think a combination of factors is right. I mean, we're just in a very unusual situation where we've just come out of lockdowns and um, feeling the effects of long-term effects of, of the disruption that caused, particularly in terms of supply chains and the labour market. Um, and of course, very sadly, we now have um, a European conflict, which is um, impacting a lot of imports, but particularly on the food side and the, the fuel side. So it's a really unusual and unfortunate um, set of circumstances in terms of how long the impacts will go on. I mean, the Bank of England is um, an example of, of an organisation that's, that's more on the kind of pessimistic side in terms of their forecasts for inflation and growth. But it's really, it's really hard to say. I mean, um, a lot will depend on where the pandemic and conflict situation goes next. Um, so it's it's hard to say, but it is in, it's important to say as well that, you know, we've got a huge amount of innovation and change going on in the business world. Lots of new businesses starting up over lockdowns who are, who are thriving. So it's not all doom and gloom at this point. Yeah, totally agree. For, for for those that are impacted, though, what 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 you know, we hear this all the time, don't we, in the media? It's impacting small businesses, but we'd like to just understand a bit about what we mean by that. You know, what's the anecdotal evidence that you're hearing in the market about how this is actually affecting small businesses, their their owners, and their families? Again, it's it's across the piece, really. I mean, there are those businesses that you would you probably expect to be most affected, particularly on the leisure and hospitality side. I mean, new figures out today showing that we have fewer than 40,000 pubs across England and Wales. At the moment, around 7,000 have, have closed in um, kind of the past couple of years. So, I mean, that's an example where you, you have a business with with kind of all those overheads to worry about in terms of property, in terms of inputs, in terms of staff. Um, but I mean... In terms of even this week, we, we were hearing from a um, window specialist who, who builds conservatories, who, who maintains windows for, um, you know, kind of domestic and commercial properties. They've had to write to their customers for, I think, the second or third time now to say, I'm really sorry, but operating costs being what they are, I need to pass on 7-8% um, in terms of what I'm, I'm charging to you because I just I just have no choice otherwise the business can't function even more kind of worrying I was speaking to a um, member of ours who works in the refrigeration industry so specialist cooling equipment on the um, commercial side and they were essentially saying all my costs are up in terms of everything we've we've just been discussing um, but passing on costs just isn't really an option so Either I try and weather it and absorb it all myself or I'm just going to to have to close. And that is um, for businesses, as I say, where there's where there's just not really that flexibility on the pricing. They're facing some really tough choices. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not all businesses are in a position to, to pass costs on, are they? Um, are there any steps that FSB is advising small businesses can take to, to, to manage their way through some of this? I mean, it's all the usual things, really. I think with a lot of those elements, um, shopping around is important, um, you know, on the utility side, on the fuel side, 
in terms of inputs, looking really closely at um, supply chains and, and seeing if there's anything more that can be done in terms of alternative suppliers or, or renegotiating with the suppliers you, you already have. Um, I mean, on the, the tax side, the finance side, just having a really, really close look and, and seeking professional support with that, if, if, if you think that would be useful in terms of bringing down outgoings there. Um, and also from, from us in the Westminster team, we definitely say, you know, we have campaigned hard for support in terms of, um, of late, you know, the, the business rate side in terms of breaks there, um, the employment cost side, particularly the employment allowance is a really important break that you, you can access if you're a business of a certain size. So definitely Google government business support. Um, you'll see they, they've actually now launched a helpline that you can call um, and they can point you in the direction of government initiatives that potentially can give you a bit more breathing space. But also speak to your local authority, speak to your local enterprise partnership, make sure you're plugged into your federation of small businesses network locally because it could well be that there's help out there that you're not necessarily aware of at this stage. Yeah, and you mentioned lobbying the government there, and I know FSB is always busy in the background doing that. What else would you like to see from the government in terms of supporting small businesses through this? I mean, what we're really saying is there's there's a huge amount they could be doing, particularly around those taxation costs that are hitting businesses regardless of profitability. So, I mean, business rates um, is perhaps the, the best example of that, but also around this national insurance increase um, that's happening for employers. Yes, we've got the employment allowance, but is there anything more that can be done to reduce overheads there? On the utility side, there's been direct support for consumers in terms of, um, you know, literally cash and accounts to help with those costs. And we, we haven't seen all that on the business side. And we're saying that's something that could be done at local authority level via the rate system as it's being done for consumers via the council tax system. On the trade side, you know, we're still campaigning for a replacement for the SME Brexit Support Fund, which opened and closed very quickly some time ago. Um, and, you know, more widely, there's there's the VAT side, um, there's the fuel duty side, there's lots of different aspects that the government could be considering when, when looking to bring down costs for business, which are ultimately the costs that are passed on to consumers and ultimately um, potentially damage demand in the economy and our economic recovery from um, lockdowns and, and all the other challenges that are out there at the moment. Yeah, thanks, Matt. And you mentioned the value and importance of the FSB network. Presumably there's lots of material and, and, and support on the FSB site, is there? Yeah, absolutely. I think first port of call on this, there's a really excellent um long read on the first page um sorry really excellent long read on the first voice homepage at the moment looking at costs and the different steps you can take to potentially bring those down and give yourself some breathing room um and definitely speak directly to us explore all your member services through your fsb membership and again do be alert to support from government at national and local level as well 
That's brilliant. Thanks very much, Matt. That's really, uh, really insightful and really useful. Thank you. Uh, Paul, thanks also to you for joining us. Now, um, you've been leading on some research around the impact of COVID regulation on small businesses. Can you tell us exactly what that research is all about and why it was important? Sure. Um, so the research, John, is it's well, it's about making sense, really, of how small businesses around the UK. So the project looked at all the the nations of the UK, how they managed to understand and act on, you know, the significant changes to the regulatory environment that happened when the pandemic hit, and you know how they can move out of the pandemic in as good shape as possible. Uh, we took sort of more of what we call a kind of granular approach than often research in this area does. So rather than just asking about kind of broad categories of regulation, you know, typically it's employment or health and safety, which is quite useful. But we thought we'd go for the kind of granular level of 21 specific regulations that businesses might have engaged with when the pandemic hit. So, you know, social distancing or use of PPE and so on, because that's really how how regulations are experienced at that kind of individual level. So we did a survey, we got around 1,000 businesses, most of which were FSB members. And then we also followed up with about 25 in-depth interviews with people who'd carried out the survey. Brilliant. And uh, what were the core findings? Uh, well, there's lots. <laughs> but we haven't got all day, so I'll, I'll try and be as, as kind of uh, concise as I can. Um, and as, as you would imagine, with a project like this, with 1,000 odd voices, there's going to be a range. Um, you know, in, in general, of course, many business owners faced severe difficulties, particularly at the beginning. You know, March 2020, lockdown one happened, and the effect was massive on many small businesses simply knowing what they do the following day. So that, that was definitely captured. At the same time, in some senses, to bring a bit of balance, we also heard stories of innovation and resilience among some small businesses, those who were able to kind of adapt their business, not necessarily overnight, some were, some were in that position, but others it took weeks and maybe months to kind of have the space to rethink what they were doing and how they were doing it, and to, for the longer term, um, you know, change how they were doing business. So there was, there was that kind of balance. In terms of specific examples of, you know, the kind of compliance actions that businesses were taking. So, as you can imagine, public health related regulations kind of dominated the experience of your typical small business. But those in health and education sectors, hospitality and so on, they quite clearly had to um, kind of manage and navigate far more than, let's say, a professional or support service type uh, business. Um, so kind of specific regulations that were difficult to comply with, social distancing, um, hygiene and cleaning practices, use of PPE, that sort of thing was, was commonly talked about. Um, about two thirds of businesses in, in hospitality, they found they had to take considerable action. We had kind of different levels of action taken around making premises COVID secure and the considerable action kind of responses were for those in hospitality, around two thirds, as I say. Um, in terms of other kind of, um, well, as well as asking about sort of difficult regulations to comply with, we also wanted to get a sense of which were beneficial, because of course, uh, some of the measures taken by government were designed to support businesses, and furlough, I guess, is the classic example of that. 
So around 55% of, of our, our survey sample did engage with the furlough scheme. But what we found quite interesting is around 20% said on the one hand, it was one of the most beneficial uh, regulations they, they had to comply with, but at the same time, it was one of the most difficult. Um, and th this was particularly their experience at the beginning uh, of the pandemic when the furlough rules were not very flexible. You know, we heard stories about um, there was an ecologist who told us that, you know, um, you had to kind of make the choice between uh, keeping staff on and paying them when you weren't too sure what was going to happen in terms of was there going to be enough work for them or you're left without key members of staff to fulfill existing contract contracts with um, with clients who who were kind of on the books when the pandemic hit. So that did improve, and and we we heard businesses say that as time went on and the uh, the rules around furlough were were more flexible, that that kind of thing um, was easier to to handle. Yeah, some really good. Um granular insights into the impact on businesses. Overall, what does it tell us about the impact that regulation can have on small businesses? Well, again, it is a, it is a mixed picture. Um, I'll give you a few kind of examples of the, the ways in which in the report um, that we've written with FSB uh, sort of kind of breaks this down. So, for example, um, we were looking at small businesses in particular, so those up to 50 employees, and the number of employees a business had the, the experience of this period really did uh, change. So if you're a no-employee business, of which there are many, many, as we all know, um, you engage with about three, let's say, of the 21 specific regulations we asked businesses to, to um, respond to. If you had 10 or more, you had about, uh, employees rather, you had like nine of these regulations. So, you know, a considerable difference just in the amount of kind of regulatory uh, response that was required. Sectors I've already talked about, you know, certain sectors were hit harder than others. Um, what, was, what was quite clear and, you know, makes sense now that we're sort of two years down the road is those businesses who had a kind of pre-existing digital capacity and were more uh, kind of able to uh, pivot in terms of working online, they, they some of them did really well. Um, others who weren't quite so flexible and hadn't invested in their digital capacity pre-lockdown, um, you know, had a, had a much tougher time. So that was a kind of key hinge point for, for whether or not you fared reasonably well with this regulatory kind of onslaught or not. And also type of premises. You know, if you had customers coming into your premises, the amount of regulations you had to consider and the adjustments you had to make were far more than those who were home-based, for example. Um, and there was also a, a devolved nation type point uh, as well. You know, businesses who were operating in a number of devolved nations or not in England, um, they kind of had to, um, you know, keep up with changes not only from the UK Parliament, but also their, their national parliaments. And sometimes these regulatory messages, as, as you know, we've heard through, um, through the media, didn't always... Uh, weren't always seamless. So that added another kind of dimension of the way that different firms were were impacted differently. 
Yeah, and the report that you've produced off the back of the, the research sets out a number of lessons and learnings for governments, um, recommendations for them. Can you just summarise a couple of the key ones of those? Yeah, yeah, sure, John, I will. Um, so, I mean, for the, for one, of the, one of the recommendations we're making is that governments, and this is all governments, you know, this is, this is Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland and, and England, um, th they should evaluate the impact of the actions taken during the pandemic in respect of regulation and draw up you know, a contingency plan so that we're um, better informed and fitter as, a, as, a, as, as regulating bodies going forward. Um, government and regulators, we're, we're arguing, should also pursue a, a kind of culture of regulation that emphasises proportionate and appropriately communicated regulation. This is a kind of general point. And it, it, it links with a point I'm sure um, has been made um, many times in these sorts of conversations about how small businesses need to be kind of thought of, especially because they simply haven't got the resources or the capacity to, one, understand what regulations are affecting them, and then two, um, act on them as, as appropriate. Um, another one we're making is that when governments change or introduce new regulations, they've got to draw clear distinctions between the actions that a business must must take to comply and the steps that a business might choose to take. And that's one of the findings I didn't mention earlier, John, and that is that about just under a quarter of the entire sample said that they were completely unclear during the pandemic as to which of the regulations they had to comply with by law and which were simply guidance in terms of best practice. And that, that, you know, that's a considerable number of businesses out there if you extrapolate from, from the 250-odd that said that to us. Um, have I got time for a couple more? You definitely have, yep. Um, governments and regulators should be publishing illustrative examples of compliance when they're regulating small businesses. Um, you know, I, probably this is a this is this is not a kind of new idea, but it's certainly one that came through our research. That the the more that regulators can do to kind of give an example, a kind of realistic scenario that a business might find itself in, so that it can measure itself against what is compliance, rather than having to do a lot of that kind of thinking themselves moving from abstract regulations to what it means in practice. So, you know, the, the more that regulators can do to, to illustrate that, to kind of scenarioize that, then, then that will be helpful. Um, we're also asking for a grace period. Unless we're talking about safety-critical regulations, there should be a grace period after a regulatory changed before enforcement action will be taken. Um, and maybe I could just make one more point about, about those regulations that are meant to support small businesses. As I mentioned earlier, in the case of furlough, it wasn't flexible at first. It did become more flexible. So we're asking that any future uh, regulations that are uh, looking to support small businesses in this kind of way, that they should, from the start, be as flexible um, as, as they possibly can be. And that things like any future income support scheme, uh, which ran alongside furlough, you know, doesn't leave um, directors who were drawing income from dividends um, adrift at a time when they also needed uh, financial support. No, brilliant. And, and I presume that that sort of 
last point around thinking about how well equipped small businesses are to to take on regulation is is really important isn't it because you know some are going to be in a better position than others to to handle that yeah they will be and um, you know it depends how long people have been in business often how deep and wide their networks are whether that's informal or formal in terms of advisors and so on um and as as matt mentioned earlier you know that there has been a a lot of entrepreneurial um uh you know people starting up new businesses uh, in the last period as well and when you start up a new business in the first few years all of this stuff is new um so the more that um governments and regulators can help because most businesses want to do the right thing <laughs> they want to be compliant and they they don't want to spend too much of their time having to comply so the you know the the more that regulators can do to make it as easy and clear as possible about what compliance means then i think everyone wins yeah that's a great message thanks uh, paul and if you would like to read more on that research um, and to download the full findings of the report then you can do so by going to the fsb website and searching for navigating the covid19 regulatory landscape uh thank you paul matt just before we go um are there one or two big issues coming up over the next few weeks that our audience should be keeping an eye out of, out for i mean the main things that spring to mind are actually this week the government is changing the thresholds for um, income tax and national insurance. So important to, to keep an eye out for that. I mean, we'll be pushing both for more support on the employment cost side and also doing what we can to raise awareness of the employment allowance, which, um, again, as I say, is a, is a really important break that you can receive as a small business if you employ people, but it's not something you'll get automatically so it's important to seek that out the other one that springs to mind is um in terms of the economy more widely there will be another change to the consumer energy price cap in october and people are forecasting that could take people's energy bills up by quite a significant amount so um it could be i mean just generally a, a bit of a pressure point for the economy um come autumn in terms of belt tightening and, um, you know, people looking ahead to Christmas, maybe doing some more saving off the back of um, the summer. But as I say, lots of hard work going on. We're still campaigning on the policy side. So hopefully we have a bit of a turnaround in terms of the economic outlook by then. Yeah, brilliant. That's really useful. Thank you, Matt. And thank you also, Paul, for your, your contribution. Um, thanks also to our audience for listening to this episode of the Small Business Monthly Roundup podcast. While I have your attention, I would just like to remind you that you can subscribe to First Voice Podcasts to receive regular updates and guidance on the big issues affecting small businesses. And do please also remember that you can find a whole host of additional webinars, podcasts, and other content on the First Voice website at firstvoice.fsb.org.uk. Many thanks for listening.